in verse 17. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, God, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. I hope tonight I'm prophesying what the scripture. When the time of the promise drew near, God had sworn to the people of Abraham. Then the people began to grow and multiply in Egypt. Let us worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. God, we love you, God. We thank you for the healing that you're giving. God, Sister Laura and her family, for all that are sick among us, thank you for divine touch. We depend on the healing, the stripes of Jesus. Thank you for that medicine, Lord. It works very well in Jesus' name. Praise God. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about the abundance promises of God. The abundance promises of God. In the Bible, we have many instances where men have tried to falsify the promises of God. Whether it was good intention or bad intention, they try to put a little speed behind it to make it happen fast and fulfilled. I think of the birth of Ishmael. Ishmael was born because somebody was trying to help God out with his promises. God made a promise. To Abraham and Isaac, and I mean Abraham and uh, his his uh, his wife, about Isaac to come, and it seemed like the promise was not going to take place because twenty five years had gone by. After all, God made in chapter twelve of Genesis seven promises to to Abraham, which include having a son. In chapter seventeen, He made twenty one promises to him. And up to that time, nothing happened. They tell me God called Abraham when he was in his 60s. Now Abraham is in his 75-year-old, nothing is happening. And now he's 90 years old, nothing is happening. But God made an abundance promise to him. And Ishmael was the outcome of trying to help God out with his promises. They said, well, maybe God forgot, maybe God retired, maybe God got tired, maybe God just forgot about us. And time just erode God's memory. So let's help God out so God don't look bad. So God don't look bad. Let's work on the promise of ourselves. And they got involved. And here was Hagar getting involved and with Abraham. And a child is born. The guy is now 17 years old. And still nothing happened like Isaac not being born yet. And, you know, it looks like God has forgotten him. But what they don't realize is that God never forget his promise. God is never a forgetful God when it comes to the promises that he makes. God is a righteous God. I told this morning, he's a God of truth, loving kindness, and holiness. Amen. And God's promises never fail. It never fail. It may look like it's delay. Personally, I don't think God promises ever delay. Because there's no such thing as a delay with God. But we that had a different time frame than God had said God delayed or God is late or God is slow or God whatever. But God never give you a time clock. He said, well, 
I'll be here on May 15th in 2012. Didn't say that. But we do those things. We calculate and we estimate and we speculate. Amen. So we speculate and calculate and the promise don't come to pass. And we get worried about it. So, well, maybe God forgot. Let's help God out. Moses, at an age, young, virile, strong, he felt, and I believe he read the promises of Joseph. He knew about it, that a deliverer would come into Egypt and bring Israel out and take his bones along with them. I know that it was going to be, amen, me, he says. And so he stepped out and ended up committing murder. That to run for 40 years and hide. All that was happening was Moses was trying to help out the promise that God made through Joseph. Joseph had long since died, and no deliverer had come. All they had was a tyrant Pharaoh that made their life bitter and hard. And so, Moses tried to help God out and try to speed up the promise. I don't think God needs your help to bring to pass what he promised you. I don't think God is handicapped that he should depend on human help and assistance to bring to pass what he want to do in your life. Otherwise, he won't get the glory. You'll get all the merits. God doesn't want his glory to be shared with another. And when God made a promise, he's not bankrupt for ideas. His hands are not shortened that he can't fulfill what he promised. Notice, what he promised. Not what you think he said, but what he said he will do. He said, my word shall not Return to me, God says, void. That means God is absolutely sure that his word is an anchor to those who hold to it. It will come to pass. It will come to pass, saith God, in the fullness of time. But what time is that? I don't know what time it is. But in the fullness of time. Now, he know what time that is, but he wants you to obey him and wait on him. And let him work things out. Well, Moses did what he could. And had to run away for 40 years. Trying to help God out. Then we see in the book of uh, Acts, I believe it's chapter 7, a man called Thaddeus was mentioned. The Gamaliel said very wisely that there was a man called Thaddeus who rose up and tried to fulfill Daniel's prophecy. Remember I told you preaching become a promise and a promise become a prophecy. I haven't heard that before. I haven't heard it before. Put your hand up if you heard it before. Let's see those hands. Verse 3, you never heard it before. All right, now you've heard it now. But the Bible says, Titus rose up with 400 men trying to bring down Rome, Babylon. It was a good idea but the wrong time and the wrong person. And they thought he was the Messiah. And the Bible says they all scattered and they died. All they were trying to do was to help out the promises of God and try to bring forth a Messiah. It's no different today. Christ is coming. That's a promise. It is a promise. And many men and women have tried to fulfill that prematurely. God's promises are not going to be fulfilled prematurely. There are a thing called the fullness of time. When the time 
of the promise drew near, events will start to happen to tell you you're not too far from the promises of God. But we notice here that false messiah have come up, false prophets, false leaders, and led many down the swamp and in derision and hell today because they thought they were the Messiah. But I want you to know tonight that God's promises are yes and amen. Amen. God's promises are yes and amen. Now I know it's in the Bible, I told you before, they counted 3,573 promises in our Bible. That's a lot of promise to be fulfilled. Amen. And you know, prophecy is something that in our natural understanding may never happen. Could happen. Shall happen. Will happen. We as human beings, we have all these what ifs. And we're in a statistical analysis and wonder what's the probability of this coming to pass. And just so happened the prophets who made most of these promises are dead. This church have promises made to it by men that are in their grave. They're not around to fulfill one of those promises they preach behind this pulpit. They cannot make it happen. They're dead. And all we can do is holding to their word. Either I have a lively hope or a dead hope. Either I'm holding on to a... <laughs> In the wind, I'm holding to the wind with my fist, or I'm holding to something which is anchor, steadfast and sure. But tonight, God wants us to know that His promises are true. God does not make mistakes. I believe when Paul stood before Agrippa in Acts 26 and verse 6 to 7, and Paul was in trial, and Paul said, Agrippa, do you know why I'm standing here? So let me explain to you the situation. He said, look, I'm here because I believe the prophets. I believe the promises that came from their lips. And the hope that I have is that these promises, put on the screen please, Acts 26 and verse 6 to 7. He said, for the promise, can't find it? Not ready. Not working. Well, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Work right now. Come back on the street. All right. Turn your Bible. Acts 26 and verse 6 to 7. He said, Oh, Gripper, I'm arrested because of the promise that I believed in and I expect to be fulfilled. He said, Oh, Gripper, believest thou the prophet? He said, I know that you believe. I know that you believe the promise. He's talking about the promise. He said, I have hope that the promise will be fulfilled. Why am I in bonds for these promises? God made them to our father Abraham. I want to tell you tonight how to approach God's promises. Because God, if he make a promise to you, he will fulfill them. Now, God's promises, most times you're not told this. But you need to know tonight, God's promises many times are conditionals. 
James, for example, said, If any man lack, let him ask. From a liberal giving God. God don't live liberally, but He gives liberally. He says, Who giveth liberally, and upbraideth not. But He put it in there, conjunction. But let that man, or let that person, when they ask, and He put a condition, under which delivery will take place. He said, if these conditions are met, what you asked for is going to happen. He said, if the conditions are not met, nothing is going to forthcome. A lot of people don't read the condition, which is the fine print of what God said. I'm going to tell you tonight, many categories of promises in the Bible. And I'm sure God spoke to you at one time or another as a believer in Christ. Sometime in your life God spoke to your heart, made you a promise of sort. Not only in the reading, but sometimes through the gifts of the Spirit. Sometimes through the preaching of the Word. Sometimes by a word of knowledge or a word of discernment or whatever the case might be. But some promises in the Bible are term life. Others are whole life. And some are eternal life. And some are generational. It's important that you understand where your promise fits. That you may not lose hope in your God. Term life, I think of the widow with her meal. The prophet says, your barrel of meal will not run out. That was not an eternal promise. It was a term conditional promise. If you make me a cake first, and every day you make me that cake first, your barrel of meal will not run out. And this will continue until the famine is over. This was a term life promise. That means when the famine stops and he leaves, the promise ceases to exist. It's a term life. Then there's the whole life promise where the cruise of all said, My husband was a faithful man. And he left me with some bills. And now the creditors are here, and my sons are in jeopardy. I have no solution for my problem. The man of God said, what's in your house? He said, well, I got some, some oil. He said, well, okay, go, buy, go get some vessels. Bring those vessels. And when you get the vessels, I want you pour the oil out, and don't stop till you want to stop, and then go sell and pay the bill. This is now... And live on the rest. She's going to make enough money to last her the rest of her life. She just had a whole life promise given to her. And then there's another promise called the eternal life promise. There's a thief on the cross. Had no merits. Nothing to recommend him to God. He's going to go to hell. He's dying on his way out and he turned his face 
to Jesus Christ and said, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And the Bible said, Jesus made to him an eternal life promise that was unconditional. He said, look, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The only condition there was that he has to die. <laughs> if you call that cross, you ain't going to get it. <laughs> but you stay out there and die with me, you're going to be. That's an eternal life promise. Jesus cannot renege on that promise. He's got to, when a man die, give him eternal life in paradise. That's what it is. And then you got generational promise, promises that goes beyond you and goes beyond your children and your children, 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 children. Here's God making a promise to Abraham in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis and chapter 17. He made to him a generational promise. He said, Abraham, in thee shall all the nation of the earth be blessed. And Abraham promised but I said, went all the way down to the tribe of Levi. It went through Isaac. It went through Jacob. It went through all the children of Israel. And God made a note it even impacted Levi. What that was, that was an Abrahamic, genera I mean, generational promise that went beyond him. Every generation was going to be affected by it. God didn't have to make it to another generation. He would have spoken the word. And said, it's going to happen. There was nothing they could do to reverse that. Because God established it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I'll tell you now, there are men who make promises and they're dead. But the promises is alive. Joseph is dead. But the promise is alive. I'm trying to tell you that Elijah is gone. But the promise is still here. Amen. Moses made promises, but they're still here. Jesus is not here in person, but the promises are still here. you got to understand, my friend, He don't need your help and my help. Or our, our apologies for Him. Some promises from God are temporal. Some promises of God are spiritual. And some are material. I was thinking tonight when a young man read the scripture in Psalm 118. Did you read that verse above? It says, Lord, send us prosperity now. Abraham's blessing was like the stars of heaven. That's a promise. And the sand of the seashore. It is this, this married old man having promises of that magnitude. Hello. God is saying, Abraham, I'm going to bless you on two frontier. Amen. How the heaven is seen and the earth is seen. Now, I look at the man called Naaman. Name is a Syrian. He's not an Israelite at all. Has no rights. But here he's going to have a temporal blessing. Now, this does not mean God's going to bless Naaman all the time. But God made a promise to Naaman through the prophet, amen, who sent to Gehazi to tell him, dip seven times and you will be healed. Hello? All he had to do was follow instruction. And he would obtain his promise. That was a temporal promise. Now, he can't go to his country and say, everybody who's got leprosy, go dip seven times. It's just not going to happen. Because the promise was temporal, just for him. Then there's a spiritual promise 
that God gives, amen, to Adam and Eve. God said to Eve, of your seed, amen, shall bruise the serpent head. That is a promise God made. Now, Eve tried to fulfill that promise and gave birth to Cain. Didn't work. Abel was born. It didn't work. But the time came when Christ became that seed. That was a spiritual promise. You gotta understand, God make us spiritual and temporal promises and also material promises. You gotta understand the difference. Here's Israel in the wilderness and they want food and they're crying, we need some bread. God says, Moses, give it to them. He says, how are you gonna do this, God? He says, I'm gonna say it's a manna. It's a promise. The manna came. It landed for the days God said. God said, we want some meat. God says, you're going to have meat. And God sent the meat. Now, you go to Israel right now, it's not going to happen. Because it was a material promise with some condition established. It was for them at that time. Amen. And then you got a third category of promise, which I call dependent promises. When God promised you something, there's something that must be done for it to happen. The next level is the independent promise, where God made independent of your involvement in it. Amen. And then you got the interdependent promise, where God said, now, it will happen if the synergy happened. For example, where two or three are gathered together in my name, if you ask anything, I'll do it. That's a promise. What's a promise based on cooperation? It's a promise based on interaction between two or more people agreeing. You can't one person say, well, well, God, I fulfill that scripture. God said, no. He said, we're two or three. This called for a two or three category of agreement for things to happen. Praise God. And God says, it will happen. It will happen. Now, look at the dependent uh, promise that God made. He said, look, Isaac, Isaac, if you want to have success and blessing, 26th, 23rd chapter, I believe, of, of Genesis, or 26th chapter, he talked about Isaac. There's famine in the land. He wants blessing. And God said, you would only get it under one condition. If you walk in the steps of Abraham, well, what's that step? He obeyed my voice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And God said, Isaac, I will bless you. And I'll make you prosper right where you are if you don't go down to Gerar or go to, go down to Egypt. Stay right where you are. If you stay there, you'll be blessed. Now, God is saying that that is dependent on you staying. I believe if Isaac had stepped right out and walked down to Gerar, he wouldn't have no blessing at all. He would have had the curses upon him. Then you got the independent promises that God makes in the Bible. For example, Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. This I did build my church. So I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, you cannot stop that from happening. In fact, there's nothing you have to do to help or to stop it. You can't stop it. He said, it's going to happen. I'm going to build me a church. These are promises, church, that God has made. And it's independent of what you do. It's going to happen. If God wants a church in Fort Mary, not even the mayor can stop it. 
Not even the prime minister can stop it. Not even rebels can stop it. God said, I will build my church. Go in all the world and preach the gospel. You that be baptized shall be saved. Amen. I will build my church. And that's a promise from God. And you can't reverse it. Amen. I like what they said about the, you know, those means of person. The laws are, are, are so cute. You can't reverse it. There are promises that are not reversible. So, category number three. There are promises that are dependent, like Isaac obedience to God and going to bump a crop. Then you got independent promises that God makes to us. I will build my church. Hallelujah. Or of the fruit of thy lawn, David, shall I sit on your throne. That's a promise. Amen. It's independent of David. God says, I will do it. I will of your body. I will do it, David. Amen. In spite of David's sickness and sin, God still did exactly what he said. Because Christ is from the seed of David. Amen. So David couldn't mess it up. God said he would. Then he got the interdependent promise. where two or three. Now, most churches that are prosperous, I noticed that. Wherever there's a church having conflict and animosity and lying about their relationship, that church will not grow. I'm telling you right now, it will not grow. God will not bless it. In fact, He will curse it. And when the church is not growing, the first thing you check is the relationship between the believers. Now they say, we, we, we got no problem. But they're lying because there is a problem. And God showed the problem. And they won't admit there's a problem. But when the two or three come together and they agree on anything, God says, I will do it. God says it. Not one of those promises going to fail. Hello? And I always tell people, you better examine yourself and make sure you're not the one causing the problem because woe to the one through whom it comes. You know, in the beginning before Calvary, the church couldn't move forward. Judas was a problem. He was a problem. They couldn't get too far. He was a spy. <laughs> he carried back news to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. But the Lord's Supper, it stopped right there. The Lord said, all right, the one that dipped in the supper with me, that one's not for me. Amen. And so it handed. And you notice here, church, when he left the scenery, look how many got saved on the Pentecost. 3,000. 3,000 got saved. All right. Then there is a fourth category of promises that God offered to the people. Now, what am I telling this? Because why was Ishmael born? Why was Ishmael born? Why did Moses do what he did? Why did Thaddeus raise up those boys and have them follow him? Because they understood not the promises of God and the time of God. Amen. When they gave up hope of the Messiah coming, the Bible said when the time drew near, when God's time drew near, when God's clock says it's now, He's going to move all the obstacles out of the way. Praise God and pay a visit to Zacharias and set up John the Baptist to fulfill Isaiah 40 and verse 1 to 3. Amen. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. 
prepare he the way of the Lord. It was not through the Sanhedrin. It was not through the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the Essenes. No. They tried to force the plan of God. And God said, not so, not so. I'm going to work it my way. And God chose the wilderness men to bring in the ushering of the Messiah. Hello. I'm talking about God's promises. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. The fourth category of promises some of God's promises are situational. And some are conditional. And some are meditorial. You've got to understand this. So when I read my Bible, I know what I'm dealing with. I'm not going to read every scripture and walk away with the wrong conclusion. Now all scriptures are given by inspiration. They are profitable for doctrine. But you can get the wrong concept of what this is all about. The situation, I look at Rahab. Rahab is a Gentile. She belonged to one of the seven nations, strong nation, in Jericho. And here is Rahab going to sit down in, in the glory land and the people of the promise are left out. What happened here? Rahab had a situation in her life just like Ruth and just like Esther and in that situation they did the right thing that pleased God and God uttered a promise to them and said Rahab you will not be destroyed as long as you don't break the vow that you make of the scarlet cord. You keep your bargain, I'll keep my bargain. And I promise you, when I come, you will be saved. You will survive the sword. Now, that's called situational. Amen. Promise that God made. As long as you stay right with me, as long as you don't cross the line, as long as you don't leave this house, you've got my promise. When you leave, the promise is null and void. And you can't say, I broke my promise. A lot of folks say, well, God, you failed me. And God, you didn't do this. And God, 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 God. And they blame God. People walking on God all the time. Threw the Bible down. One guy threw his white shirts out. Threw the Bible and said, I won't be needing this. He still hasn't needed it because God don't come back to him anymore. He's gone in the world, married three, four, five times. He lost out. Yes, because you see as long as you uh, walk with God, he prospered. As long as they kept the commandment, they made the way time, you know. And Jeroboam, as long as he lived for God, he was okay. But when he made the golden calf, he lost it out. Hello. It's called situational. Amen. Promises of God. Understand what God is trying to say to you. God may say this to you because of a situation that pleases him. And God made a promise to you. Amen. The Ethiopian, what did he do? He saw Jeremiah was in the pits, and Israel was against him. And the Ethiopian went there and put him out, and complained about it, and brought him out. And God said, Ethiopia shall never want for a man to get into my kingdom. And what did God do? Fulfill that promise. Amen. Way down the road. Way down the road. Hallelujah. Here's a guy coming from from Ethiopia, and God met him. He doesn't know he's a fulfillment of a promise. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Now, there is conditions that are linked with some, not all, promises. Elisha and Elijah. Typical example. I see Elisha got stirred up by Elijah because it was Elijah who stirred him up. He was minding his own business following a bunch of dead oxen. He didn't want his mantle a sign of a promise that you could be where I'm at. But you can't be there if you stay where you are. You have to leave where you are. The situation is not conducive for being one of us. to leave it. And so the condition is, leave it and follow me. So he kept on walking. And the Bible said, he went home and burned all the bridges, burned all that he owned, and buried and made a big feast, and ran. <laughs> and said, wait for me. He said, what have I done to thee? Then here's what happened now. The mantle had a message. It had a message of promise. It was not an idle slap on the back. It was a call to successorship. He knew that. And he said, now, I can't shake this guy off. He's passing all the tests. He's doing all the right stuff. He's meeting all the conditions for recognition. And so he said, now, what can I do for you? Hmm. What do you mean, what can I do for you? He said, I want what you got. <laughs> what? I want everything you've got. Like what? Your spirit. I want a double portion. You see, church, anybody can ask and knock and see. But everybody don't receive if they don't meet the condition. Amen. This is not a blank check. It's conditional check. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus didn't put himself in the corner. If you ask and doubt not, you shall. Just told the memory verses that through the memory verses, Amen. If you doubt not, this will happen. If you doubt, this won't happen. None do with God. It's all conditional. The promises must be understood. I'm trying to talk to somebody here that when you go to pray and talk to God about promises, make sure you know what you're talking about. Make sure you know how you approach Him right. Amen. Hallelujah. You're not premature, nor are you far behind, or do you forget the promise? I'm operating with the Spirit. I know what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. And so he said, look, if you see me when I go, then you may take anything you want that I have. Now, now the word is, you can have it if you can meet the condition. It's a promise with strings attached. I will give you the desire of your heart as long as you meet the condition that I'm going to set. If you see me, <coughs> go. Hallelujah, you can have it. Elisha said, wow, you're not going to shake me off now. And every step he made was in the direction of the promise. He had no idea where this would end, where it would stop, or for how long. All he knew was, I'm going to meet those conditions that I may receive the promise that God made to me. I want to receive them. And he made it. And when he crossed Jordan, and the chariot came, he looked like, well, you're a God, but what about me? I'm down here still. 
I'm automatically like, I'm, I'm looking at you. And by the time he's doing, God defrocked Elijah. <laughs> and went, knock him down with that clothing friend. He quickly backed off his robe and whatever he got on and put on that new one and said, Man, whatever was in him is in me now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say, Hallelujah. And that man died with 13 miracles. 13 miracles. One more to make it the promise true. And God says, Even in death, my promises are still true. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm trying to tell you, my friend, the one who made the promise may be dead, but the promise is not dead. It still is alive. Joseph made the promise, he's dead, but it's alive. I wish you guys could understand what I'm talking about tonight. Amen. Abundance of promises. I don't forget what men of God said about this church. I don't forget. Hallelujah. And some you never see again. But I'm listening. I'm listening. Hallelujah. And I need to know what must I do that the promises may come true. Or is it unconditional promise? But there must be a fulfillment of the promise. Amen. There is the the, the meritorial, our meritorial, the meritorial promise that God made. Elisha is about to die with 13 miracles in his life. Call this guy up, the king, who longed for victories over his Syrian army enemies, and said, I want to win. You're dying on me. I can't win without you. He said, all right, give me an arrow. He shot it. He hit the bullseye. He said, now, take some of those arrows, smite the ground. Didn't tell him how much. Didn't tell him why. To smite the ground. Had no idea what's in store for him. Amen. Had he told him, he would have falsified the action. But not knowing what's behind it all, he was on his own recognizance. And so he went, one, two, three. This is stupid. <laughs> and quit. And the man on the bed that was sick and dying from terminal illness said, What is wrong with you? <laughs> Why did you stop? You've been doing so good up to this point, And now you choose to quit. You choose a bad time to quit. <laughs> you chose a bad time to throw in the towel. You were on your way to victory. You're going to win the war. The victory going to be yours. All that you long for and dream for. And now you're quitting on me. He got mad. So what is wrong with you? He says, the only victory you're going to have is three. <laughs> and after that, the Syrian going to be fighting you all your life. To this day, Syria today is an arch enemy of Israel. All because the men just didn't realize, don't quit. The promise is yours. Keep on. Keeping on. Smite the ground. Hit it with all your might. Drive the nail home. And keep on knocking until your hand cleaves to the arrow. <laughs> I watched people like Esau when the time came. Amen. 
when they should have got the blessing is what happened to them. Some people don't realize some promises are irreversible. And some are reversible. Amen. It's truth. Some are irreversible and some. There's a guy called Jeroboam. God took ten tribes from from uh, Rehoboam and gave it to a guy who did not come from a kingly genealogy and gave it to him and said, this is yours. You can have it. And I took it from him. I want you to have it. I'm going to make you a king. He does something stupid. And God said, I'm going to bless you and prosper you. I mean, all the promises of God, God has dumped promises on him. And the first thing he did, he got all you know, self-interest protected us. And now, if I let those people go, they're going to go right back and worship the true God over there. So let's be smart. And he came up with a smart idea. Hello, that smart idea you have may be robbing you of everything you could have. Hello, man. Thinking you're smart become foolish. And he did something, and he reversed everything God promised him. God said, I'm going to make his house a dung hill. God cursed him. God said, I will be met him all forever. And God, God hated Jeroboam. God made his kid die with a disease. And he died the same way. And God said, his house is going to be a flat dung hill. God reversed every promise he made to him. He cursed himself. You could be just nigh your blessing and you could curse yourself by your scheming and whatever you're doing that's contrary to the promise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Remember this. Promise never grow old. Those who made it for God may grow old and die, but the promise never. Hallelujah. And God may have given you a term life, a whole life, eternal life, Hallelujah. Or intergenerational promise. But one thing for sure, he did make me a promise. Come on, worship God. Come on. Hallelujah. But I look at David. David had an irreversible promise. He did. Because God made the promise to David. He said, David, of the fruit of thy body will I sit on your throne. And you will have a king on your throne forever. Now, David did not ask God to say that. And God did not make a condition for saying that. He just said it and settled it. Now, David messed up after that. We know that. Terribly. Committed murder and adultery and lies and all stuff. And God got mad at him, but God could not reverse the promise. Because when God swore by himself, he can swear by no higher power. And that word gone out of his mouth, it shall not return void. He said, David, the sword shall never leave your house. But also, David, never the promise. Don't leave your house. Hallelujah. A sword and a promise. So, David, you're going to go down there. I mean, they're going to be chasing you right to their grave. But one thing is sure, nobody going to touch that promise I made to you. And Jesus Christ is the son of David. 
the seed of David. Let's worship God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed are they to whom God make an irreversible promise. Unconditional. But I'll take anything I can get. I'll be like the Syrophoenician woman. Lord, I'll take any kind of promise. Just make me a promise. I don't care how, I don't care what condition you put on it, God. Whether it be term life, whole life, or eternal life, or generational. Just, just make me a promise, God. I don't care if it's temporal. I don't care if it's spiritual or material or dependent or independent. Just make me a promise because I know great is thy faithfulness. Oh God and my Father, I know you're a faithful God. And no matter what happens, you will keep your word. Any mess up going to be me. It's not going to be thee. Let's worship God. Fifteen years from now, you have no idea where you'll be. I was thinking why Brother Mike was talking. Brother Mike, you have no idea where ten years from now where you could be. You have no idea the places you could sit. Hallelujah. What you could lead. You have no idea what glory could follow. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Simply, simply obeying the commandments of the Lord. Hallelujah. Will make a world of difference. Hallelujah. Let God make you a promise. I say, God, will it be irreversible or reversible? I don't care. Just make it. Then give me the gust to keep the conditions right. That I may obtain it. When the promise drew near, the people start growing. I believe right now this world is experiencing the coming of the Lord promise. That's why there are signs everywhere. But not only is that happening, in my personal life, I can see God opening doors that were closed. In your life, God is blessing you beyond... The boy rated tonight. Amen. How blessed you are in contrast to the millions. Amen. Those that are sick and bankrupt and penniless and homeless and helpless and houseless and worthless. And here you are in God's presence, reveling in the promises of God, living in the place of Abraham, hidden in the Goshen. Hallelujah. Where no foe can come. Hallelujah. We are a blessed people. We are the people of promise. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. How can you sit there and talk like this when God is in your midst blessing your socks off? Lift up those hands and give God the high praise. I never forget when I first got saved. Just came in church. And I just graduated. And every graduate's greatest dream is to get this nice office job. You're the boss. In those days, in my days, in the 70s, all these big companies, Chevron, Suncor, Syncrude, and Esso, and all the Chevron from around the world would come to, to our college and look at, to hire graduates every year. And they'll look down the list and they'll call your name up. Hallelujah. And I was on the list of this great company, the biggest gas company in, in North America. Amen. And I was called upon.
And I said, if you want this job, it's yours. And they, and they said, come on, I'll show it to you. I'll give you a home. I'll give you a car. I'll give you the keys. You'll be in charge. And I, they said, come and see. So I talked to the pastor. He said, oh, no. You're not going to go on that job. He said, you want it for God one minute. I said, I will. He said, no, you won't. And so I said, okay, God, at least let me go see what I'm giving up. <laughs> that was bigger torture. <laughs> I went for a ride, honey. And I tell you, I went down there. When I saw you show me the oil field and, and the gas field and show me the office and meet the staff, and I'm going to be in charge. Oh, my God. Graduate, my, the perfect job. And God says, no, 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 you're not going to make it for me. No. And God said, you do you do fishing? I mean, yeah, I'll do fishing. <laughs> you can fish over there and, and you can do all this stuff. God says, no, 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 you will survive. You will live for me. You're new. And you need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so I came back. And God said, no. God said, no. I knew God said, no. And I cried. My eye went blue. You ever see a bright eye turn blue? Honey, you're looking at me. I was here before they put these contact lenses in. I had natural contact lenses. I cried till it just turned blue. I mean, I said, oh, my God. Oh. And I, God said, now, make up your mind. you got a few days. He called me. He said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I can't take it. And you know, he was angry at me. Do me a favor to give me all this job. Big pay. He was angry at me. I went through all this. I didn't take the job. So I don't know what happened after with him. But I know. You know, and my other job was the worst job I ever had. A job where I wanted to cuss and swear and kick the boys down and fight my way out of there. It was terrible. You know, and for the first few, three years, it was just tough, nasty, rough. And I thought, boy, am I going to make this church, Lord? Am I going to make it? Hallelujah. But I, when I pray, God says, I'm going to move you out and bless you far. That's all I had in my heart. I said, I'm going to move you far and bless you greatly. I, I have no idea what this means. What does this mean, God? I said, I'm going to take you far. I'm going to do this for you. But all the time, all I have is just problems. Problems. Just dirty problems. I thought, I'm a graduate. I'm an engineer. My eyes should go through all that mess. I should be done. That's a low-down job. Those guys are low lives. I want to be around those guys. Boy, and God, let them kick me and beat me up, man. Hallelujah. Well, until I look back today, he replaced everything I lost and a whole lot more. And every day I pray, I cry, I say, God, I could have missed this. I could have missed this. Hallelujah. God making promises and not telling you when and where and just confusing you. Sometimes God confuse you because you don't know when and you don't know where and you don't know who, but you know he wants to do it and he plan on doing it. He caught Alamoshanda, but somehow, hallelujah, I've learned there's an abundance of promise with God. And when the time drew near, when the time drew near, 
a Dios in the will of God. Hallelujah. And when the will of God, He'll open door. He'll bless you. And no man can touch you. And no man can take what God gives to you. Because when the time comes, it's going to be yours. It's going to be yours. If you hang in there, if you stay with it, and you meet the conditions, and you hold on to faith, and you don't give up, and you don't quit, and you walk with God. Stay standing. My wife and I got married. They beat us up and said, Why don't you, you know, we, we didn't miss no church. We go to every church service there was. Every church service there was. And we didn't have a car. We, didn't, we take a bus to church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friend? Hallelujah. And then, God says, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, give me paychecks I thought I could never own. Hallelujah. Give me a house I didn't I didn't qualify for. Give me position others just drooled over. Hallelujah. And all the time he built an edge around us. We couldn't come across the edge. The serpent tried. He couldn't do it. I said he couldn't do it. Bosses couldn't fire me. Hallelujah. I was protected by the Almighty God. He said, when God giveth, no man taketh. When God plant, no man root you up. When God give you light, no man bring darkness. I'm trying to tell somebody, when you find the promise of God, hang on tight, honey. It will prosper. Praise God. Amen. There are two kinds of fulfillment. Natural fulfillment. I walked here at church service one day. I just started traveling for UPCI. and didn't know I was going to travel. I mean, I, I got some calls. I didn't know people even know me. How could they know me in the backwoods of McMurray? The land forgotten by everybody. Hallelujah. I can't curse here. This is where God blessed me. This is my promised land. I don't care. Medicine. This is my promised land. This is where God blessed me, my friend. This is where God placed me and people know me from here. Where they know me from, my friend. God bless. I said, God gave. God prospered. Hallelujah. And nobody can reverse it but me. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I said, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember when I proposed to my wife to marry, I couldn't even play, a, play for the plane fair. I couldn't even follow suit to my. She didn't know that. I didn't tell her. She thought I'm rich. I didn't let her know. Well, I tell her that. If God didn't tell her, why would I tell her? <laughs> I married her. She got more money than I did. <laughs> I got debt. She got she got money in the bank. I don't got no money in the bank except debt. That's all I had. Well, I tell you, friend, but God gave me favor to people who sponsored me. Hallelujah. I said, God, His promises are yes. It's drawing near. Somebody in this church. God's trying to talk to you. The promise is drawing near. You're about to see an open door. You're about to step into the supernatural blessing of God. It's not going to be because you merit it. It's a gift from God. Hallelujah! You children, hear me right now. When you treat your mom and daddy right, 
your days will be long upon the earth. You won't need vitamin C and Prozac Z. And you, oh, come on now, friend. You won't need any of those kind of stuff, my friend. Everything's going to work it all right. You know why? Because God is giving you divine favor. Raise those hands. Come on. And praise God. And give God the glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'll go on. God said, Peter, Peter, I will not send you home disappointed. I have been toiling all night. And I know you're a wretched man. But my blessing is not look at your badness. I look at your possibilities. Cast your net on the other side. You're about to be visited by God. We're going to show you the other side of life. The other side of life. Hell, Michael, do you hear me, Michael? The other side of life. I was thinking about this guy paid $10,000 a month for rent. I wouldn't go into his room. Amen. I'm not in his bathroom. Too many drugs is there. Give my little hut to Jesus. Ah, come on now. I said, give my little hut to Jesus. It's a whole lot better. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He said, Peter, you've tried everything and failed. Now it's my turn. God promised him a catch. All he had to do was meet the condition. Don't you argue. Obey my word. Catch on the other side. Tonight, I feel somebody needs to step on the other side. My God, how can you stand there and look at me like that? I said, step on the other side. I said, step on the other side. Step on the other side. You know why? God have an abundance of blessing of fishes to go in a net that you don't have room to retain it. Lord, for saying, Sister Kim, hey, there's somebody in that net you can't take it home. It broke the net. I'll tell you, my friend, God can broke the spell that's in your life and give you a blessing if you can just obey that word. I pray tonight, I believe I'm drawing near to the promise when I step on the other side of blessing and prosperity and open door. I'm going to step on the other side of success. My God, it's been always head to mouth. Hey, come on, somebody. God said, I will take you on the other side. Oh, come on, somebody. God picked up my boss. He picked up my job. He picked up my office. He picked up my chair. Hallelujah. Like Peter, he picked up the fish for him. He said, come on, fish. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Come with that net. I want to tell you, honey, God can talk to your bank book. God can talk to your mortgage broker. God can talk to your investment. God can talk to your workplace. God can talk tonight to your supervisor. You just, you just step out towards your promise and say, I'm a child of promise. I'm a child of promise. I'm a child of promise. And I'm stepping in the right direction. I'm acting on the word of God, Peter said. I'm going to act on God's word. This church, 
This church is a church filled with promises. I believe every man of God that stood behind this desk had the mind of God. God didn't give him a date or a time, but he gave a promise. This my soul liveth, and he lives. We shall, we shall receive the promise. I want you tonight step out into your promise. You've gone long enough around in your wilderness. You've gone around that mountain long enough. Come on, stop going around in circles. And climb to the summit. And say, God, let me show you your promised land. Come on, somebody. You're not going to see it in the valley. Get up on that mountain. And look over in the promised land. And say, God, the time drew near. That the promise that you make is going to be fulfilled tonight. I believe somebody here, God said somebody's in this building who have been waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm asking you tonight, don't be a Thaddeus. Don't be a Sarah with Agar. The promise is on the way. The fulfillment will be fulfilled pretty soon. You're going to step into your promise. God said you walk around this wilderness long enough. It's time to turn. Turn. Go up on the hill. And take a look at your promised land. See all the things you dream of. All the things you dream of. In a moment you can see it. In one moment. I believe this church. Brother Beam, I believe it. You know from the beginning when we started out. Look where we are today. Look what the Lord has done. Your net won't be broken, honey. Your net. I said, come and help me. Pull the net in. My God, the promise has been fulfilled. I predict the day will come when some of you are going to say, Pastor, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to say to you what do you want to say? You're going to point us it. For this I prayed. You promised me these things. And here's the fulfillment. They said, Peter, everybody toiled online and caught nothing. Where all these fishes come from? I was just obeying the word. And he said, pull the net in. You're about to pull in the promise. Come on, believers. I came tonight because God told me to talk to you. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not giving you a pie in the sky. I'm giving you hope in your heart. You're going to pie from God.